Maturity in prayer. Maturity in prayer. How many of you enjoyed that? How many of you felt God really challenged you with regards to that? All right, and I'm going to continue this week. Last week, I shared with you the first seven points. And I said to you that people who are immature, here are some of their characteristics. They only pray about things relating to themselves. Remember that? And those who are mature, the converse is true. They're able to carry God's burdens. Secondly, I said to you that the immature praying people, they only pray anxiety-based prayers. But the mature people pray faith-based prayers. Thirdly, I said to you that the people who are immature in prayer, they operate in a ministry of accusation. Those who are mature prayer warriors come in the ministry of intercession. Fourthly, the people who are immature, they use vain words and repetition. Amen. The mature people come to God in a place of not needing to impress God. They come with brokenness, right? Number five was that the immature are full of pride and self-righteousness when they pray. The people who are mature in prayer, they come just as I am. Just as I am, I come before you, God, with that place of brokenness and humility. Number six, the people who are immature in prayer, they have a limited revelation of God. They only know one aspect of God, like Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, right? But those who are mature in prayer have an understanding of the manifold wisdom of God. That he's got many different aspects to him. And they pray from a revelation of those different dimensions. And then the seventh was that if you're immature, you'll only pray one type of prayer. And my wife in a couple of weeks will be explaining to us what the different types of praying prayers are. Right? The mature praying person will pray with all kinds of prayer and they'll know which one to use when amen so now today we go into the eighth dimension and the eighth difference between those who are immature in prayer and those who are mature father i pray this morning for revelation knowledge to be imparted to us we open our hearts to you holy spirit you are teacher may you come and teach us your ways with regards to prayer may something be released may something be imparted to your people this morning in Jesus name amen all right those who are immature in prayer their prayer motive is self-glory or only partially God's glory and this is a tricky thing as we grow in prayer isn't it because what I've seen with most Christians is that they give God the glory, but it's only partial. If you've been in church long enough, you'll know what I'm talking about. People who come and they'll say, so we give God the glory. But in the very same sentence, there's the motive that is saying, I also want a bit of the praise and glory. Please worship me, saints. Now is the time. Now is the time to start worshiping me. Amen. But as God begins to mature us in prayer, we begin to understand that God is very interested in his glory. And I'm telling you right now, if you want breakthrough in your life, if you want to go from a place of being mediocre to a place in a dimension in God, where you walk in authority, where things begin to happen, where you pray prayers that get results, 
It's going through the school of the glory of God. It's a school that he takes us through. Where there's something that dies in us. That thing that is saying, but Lord, can I just have a bit of praise from man, please? Just a teeny weeny bit. We go from that place to a place where we are consumed with his glory. To a place where we pray prayers. I remember when we started this church, praying the prayer, Lord, may no one person take the credit for what happens here. We knew God was going to move in a very powerful way. And I'm telling you, you ain't seen nothing yet. I believe that even as we're starting to plant churches and do the very things that God has called us to, God is going to move in a powerful way. But the prayer we're praying is, may no one person take the credit. Amen. Amen. One of the marks of great Christian leaders, people of the caliber of Michael and Fadzai were establishing these churches. There's a humility, there's a brokenness that is saying, God, come and do this. There's an understanding that you can have all the wisdom, you can have all the knowledge, you can have all the money, but it's God who's going to give you the breakthrough. The battle is the Lord's. Now, the mature praying person makes God's glory his ultimate goal. I don't know if you're about to start a business. I know some people who are. I don't know if you're about to start a school. I know some people who want to. I don't know if you're about to get a promotion. I know some people who are. But whatever it is, be consumed with the glory of God. Because God is interested in his glory. This is a basic foundation that very often is not taught. How many of you have seen a foundation series in Christian circles on just giving God the glory. John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14 says, truly, truly, I tell you. Now you remember when Jesus wants to emphasize something and tell you that this is very true, guys, he repeats himself. Verily, verily, if you read the King James, says truly, truly, the equivalent of that is making a statement today and putting an exclamation mark. You know, when your children are learning English grammar, what's the purpose of an exclamation mark? You want to emphasize something, don't you? Well, the way um, the Hebrew people would emphasize, they would say something twice or even three times. Now watch this. Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I'm doing. Woo-hoo! Now, how many of you would want to be in that space where you're doing the works that Jesus did, right? And Jesus doesn't just, doesn't just make it seem like he's making a mistake. I was reading a book yesterday and the person made a powerful statement and then they say it straight afterwards, now that's not a typo, right? That's not a typo. In other words, I'm not making a mistake when I say this. And Jesus is doing the same thing. He emphasizes it. He says, truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I'm doing. Cool. That's wonderful. Let's go a bit deeper. He will do even greater than these. Isn't Jesus amazing? He's not insecure. He's not like, come on, guys, this stuff is only for the son of God. Come on. If you try and do those miracles, you're cramping my style. Now, I know certain men of God who are like that. You know, this is the man of God, God's holy man of God, the hired holy man from the north, and he's the only one in the church that can do miracles. If other people start performing miracles, they're cramping his style. 
And yet Jesus, who's our role model, does the opposite. He actually is excited about it. Like, Sean, the stuff you see me do, you'll do greater. And I just can't wait until I see you doing greater. But you must believe in me. Now watch, we're going to go a little bit deeper. Watch, we're talking about the glory of God. He says, because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Oh, Jesus, you're just so cool, man. Imagine having an uncle like that. Hey, guys, don't worry. Yeah, I'm going to the States now. So uh, I'm going stateside. So yeah, just ask me whatever you want. Yeah, just pop me an email. huh? And because I'm going stateside, I'll hook you up. Anything, whatever you want. Just ask my name. Just use my name. You'll be like, you're my favorite uncle. <laughs> right? Now, now watch this. Watch this because this is the part people often miss. Remember, we're talking about God's glory. Now watch this. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why? Why is Jesus going to do all of this? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, if Jesus' motive for answering our prayers prayed in his name is to glorify the Father through the Son, then the prayers that he answers are the ones that give him the glory. That is an opportunity for you to jump up and down, to clap. And then there will be an opportunity for me to say, no, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Sit down. I want to do that one day. Come on. It'll look good on YouTube. You know? Sit down, sit down. No, 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 no. I haven't finished my point. Just uh, sit down, sit down. <laughs> okay. It says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why, Lord? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's his motive. So you know what I'm interested in? I'm, I'm interested in finding out what, is, what are the things out there that glorify the Father? Because those are the things I want to pray in the name of Jesus with the only motive being you will be glorified. You'll be completely glorified. Amen? Now, if I am praying prayers that glorify me or glorify someone else, how can Jesus answer those prayers? Think about it. Because he's saying, I will answer the prayers that glorify the Father through the Son. Someone got that? If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is mature prayer. And let me encourage you. You see, a lot of us, we don't take the time to pause. And before we actually blurt out prayers, to actually check our hearts and say, God, is this something that's going to glorify Jesus? Is this something that's going to glorify the Father? Is it something that's going to lift him up? Do you know that the purpose of the Holy Spirit, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son? It's to glorify the Son. So don't ask the Holy Spirit to assist you to do things that don't glorify the Son few more people are now catching okay cool all right <laughs> if we want more of the presence of the holy spirit then we need to be doing more things that glorify jesus because the glory the, the holy spirit's purpose is to come to glorify jesus would you ever pray uh, lord please help me with this pornography of mine just help me to find more porn stuff please help me holy spirit come and assist me come and enable me no because the, that's not the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, when you're doing that, you're inviting other spirits from another kingdom. And there are only two kingdoms, 
light and darkness. So when you hear all that new age stuff, don't think it's neutral. There's no demilitarized zone. Did you study, you guys studied World War II, right? History, right? The Rhineland, demilitarized. Guys playing cricket there, doing their thing and so on, where there's no war between France and Germany. There's no demilitarized zone in the spirit realm. There's just kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. And the kingdom of darkness comes in many forms. Sometimes it's false religion. They call it other stuff. James 4 verse 2 to 3. It says, you crave what you do not have. How many of you are craving what you don't have? What I've noticed about a lot of Christians is that they're craving what they think they don't have. The Bible tells me that he has given me, he has given me, right, his divine power and love has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So why are we craving for things that we already have? One of the principles in maturity in prayer is understanding that you can actually receive what you already have and praying prayers like that where you're thanking, I said to you last week, where you're thanking God for what he's already given you. Instead of praying for things that you think you don't have. That's one of the causes of jealousy, isn't it? When we underestimate what God has already done for us. I want this, but Kathy's got that. And I also, he's already given it to you. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Bible says in Colossians, we are complete in Christ. Complete. No need for any other labels. Now watch this. You crave what you do not have. You kill and you covet, but are unable to obtain it. Think of all these guys doing these muggings. All these guys doing these burglaries. A lot of them are really smart people, really clever. But because they don't see their brilliance and their ability to create wealth, what are they doing? They're going and coveting and stealing from other people. When we were burgled some time back, my wife had a sense after that the spirit behind it was envy. Now watch this. It says, you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. What do you want? What do you want? Is it peace you want? Some of you have become so used to your state of anxiety and you become friends with fear. What do you want? Is it peace? Is it wisdom? Now watch this. It says you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. What could those motives be? Self-glory is one of them. You ask with wrong motives. I don't know about you, but instead of rushing my prayers and just asking, I would rather pause and check if my motives are right. I would rather pause and check if Jesus will be glorified in my request and then pray a powerful prayer. Amen. Goes on to say that you may squander it on your pleasures. Remember I said to you last week, the starting point is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Could it be that we're seeking our own glory, hoping to receive it instead of pausing and saying, I'm going to seek your glory. God, speak to me. This is, the, this is how I'm going to land the point. God, speak to me about the things that glorify the Father in my family, in my business, in new opportunities. What things will ultimately glorify the Father? Can you show me those things? He begins to show you. You begin to pray those things. And it's amazing what the results end up being. 
Number nine, one of the major marks of immaturity in prayer is that you lack discretion. What is discretion? It's knowing when to say what. You know some of those people, I'm sure you have them in the workplace, right? They come to you and they say, hey, Sean, 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 I'm not supposed to tell you this. Yeah, but you know, in the board meeting we've just had, yeah, mm -hmm, but because me and you are close, I just want to give you the heads up. You know, I think you should know. And they start blurting out things they're not supposed to say. Not too many people know this. Yeah, but Sean, I'm just telling you because we're good friends. Yeah, mom, T, a few minutes later. Mom, T, yeah, mm -hmm, I'm, I'm not supposed to tell you this because me and you are close. Yeah, I just thought I'd let you know. And before you know it, everyone knows. You know those people, huh? All right. So when it comes to praying, God speaks to us. He reveals mysteries to us. You see, God will hide things from you with the purpose of wanting to reveal them to you. Amen? He's not playing hide and seek with us. And he loves showing us things, but he has to be able to trust us with what he shows us. That's why Paul the Apostle talks about being stewards of these mysteries. And a lot of these things that we're talking about, they are mysteries. The natural man doesn't understand them. But it requires discretion to know when to say what. Just because God gives you a dream or a vision doesn't mean the first thing you have to do is to phone up the person and say, hey, yeah, Shadi, this is what I saw over you. Mm -hmm. Then I also saw this because you want to impress her with your spirituality. Sometimes what happens is God is showing you something and it might even be a dream you're having and the main actor in the dream is someone else, but the dream was actually for you. Amen? Sometimes that person is symbolic of a type of person. But you see, very often if, we're not a praying, if you're not a praying person, it's easier to just tell the person and then to forget about it. I want to encourage you, the first thing to do when you get a dream, when you get a vision, when you hear the Lord saying something or he gives you a scripture, the first test for yourself is, am I willing to pray this through? And then you specifically ask the Lord, Lord, is this for me or is it for the individual? Amen? Or is it for someone else? The mature praying person only talks when God releases them to do so. A powerful habit to get into is, Lord, would you have me say this? And you see, when God sees that you are mature with his mysteries, when you're a great steward of what he gives you, when he sees that maturity in you, he trusts you with more. How many of you know that God desires to speak to us? God wants to show us things. He loves it when he can show us things. Do you remember what Jesus said when he says, you know what, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. Why? He says, because I've shared with you everything that the, the Father has given me. It's his heart to share with us. It's his heart to give us revelation. Some of you come to God in prayer and you're like, oh, but Lord, I'm not hearing. Lord, I'm not hearing. Don't question his character. He wants to speak to you. Begin to make observations and say, God, with the things that you've given me, have I been a faithful steward? Have I handled them correctly? Now watch this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 3 to 4, he says, this is Paul speaking about himself. You know these Pauls, they sometimes speak, they use double language, these Pauls. Hey, these Pauls, yeah, mm, ah, these Pauls. And I know that this man, he's talking about himself, okay, whether in the body or out of it, I do not know, 
Sometimes when you have visions or you have encounters, you don't quite know. Sometimes I'll wake up and then I'll see something and my wife will say, when you're seeing it, were you seeing it? Or were you, really see, were you half asleep? Were you? And it's difficult. It's difficult to actually tell, right? So he says, whether in the body or not, I do not know, but God knows. Says, was caught up into paradise. Now watch this. The things he heard were too sacred for words. Things that man is not permitted to tell. There's certain things that God wants to show you, but you have to have discretion to know and discernment to know, am I permitted to release this or not? And to the degree to which you are faithful with that which he gives you and you do what he wants you to do with it, he gives you more because it's his desire and his heart to give you more. Amen? Now, those of you who get obsessive, compulsive about some of these things, don't worry. A lot of times God is giving you something to encourage someone with, to warn someone with, but just pray first. Number 10, the immature praying person is afraid of the devil. Is afraid of the devil. I want to say to you this morning, don't be intimidated by the enemy. Rather be one who intimidates the enemy. Rather be the individual who intimidates the enemy. Where you walk into a city, you walk into a town, and demons begin to flee because they know that, oh, this is someone who knows their authority. You see... The devil isn't always concerned about are you a Christian or are you not a Christian? His bigger concern very often is do you know your authority? Because when you don't know the authority that you carry in Christ Jesus, he can pretty much do most things to you. That's why a lot of Christians today are being harassed by the enemy because the enemy plays mind games with them. I remember being in a family situation at our rural home some years ago and people have, had caught wind of the fact that there was some... Yeah, you guys, you know, right? We live on the African continent, right? right? I remember just growing up and being in a situation where a message had come through some particular dubious character, okay? Some kind of mediator or something, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? We live on the African continent. And it was saying that, no, 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 this particular relative of yours, yeah, they are actually doing this against you guys, particularly you talking about a particular person. And the fear that was in the room, and I said to them, and I was still, you know, a young adult at that stage, growing up and so on, and I challenged them, the older people in the room, and I said, you know what, as long as you are involved in some of these things, it gives the enemy a foothold. And the way the enemy operates, he tries to put you in a place of fear first. Have you noticed that? And fear becomes the foothold for all these dubious characters to try and put stuff on you. The enemy wants to get you into a place of fear. That's why those people who go to witch doctors and people like that, what do witch doctors do? What do Sangomas do? They try to intimidate the person first. Then the person is in a state of fear. It makes it easier for stuff to be put on them in that place of fear, even if they are a Christian. Newsflash. You see, some Christians have got this thing of like, ah, because I'm a child of God, nothing can ever happen to me. It can if you invite fear. Because the kingdom of darkness is based on fear. The kingdom of God is based on faith. It's important that Christians know their authority. Do you remember, and I think my wife quoted this, do you remember how we learnt about the sons of Sceva? What happened to them? They were beaten up by demons, weren't they? By, by demonically possessed uh, person. They were beaten up. Why? They said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but you, who are you? 
Now, if they had arisen and said, we actually are born again, if they were born again, and you cannot touch us in the name of Jesus, they would have remained untouched. God wants us to know our authority. If you are here and you are born again, child of God, but you're afraid of the devil, only thing I can say to you is, stop that. Stop that. I'm telling you right now, Christians become so used to being anxious. Christians become so used to being fearful. They make friends with fear and they think it's part of their personality. Don't receive that. Amen. God wants to take us to a place where we are mature in our prayer. And those who are mature take authority over the enemy. They take authority over the enemy. James 4 verse 7. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will do what? And he will do what? Now why would the devil flee from something or someone he's not afraid of? Think about it. It says, resist the devil and he'll flee. But you know what I like? I like the first thing that it says. It says, submit yourselves then to God. So a lot of Christians are not walking in righteousness, are not submitted even in a local church. I mean, if you know that one of the ways that actually helps you get rid of certain demons is being part of a local church because there's certain demonic assignments that, can, that have to go through whoever's overseeing and watching over you before they touch you. There's certain assignments of the enemy. How many of you know that a lot of the women who started the cults, a lot of cults were started by women. Do you know that? I'm not a chauvinist. I actually love women. Well, it doesn't sound great. I only love this woman, but I'm talking about, I, I admire women. Okay, I think women are great. Our mothers, our aunts, our wives. Okay, I coach women. I speak at women conferences and so on, right? I'm not a chauvinist. But do you know that a lot of the cults that have started, New Age, etc., Christian Science, etc., were started by women who stepped out from the cover of their husbands. Just go and study. Go and study it. Go and look at the lives of your Virginia Wolves and people like that. Okay, Mary Baker, Eddie, all those. Go ahead and look at them. And you'll see, they might not have been divorced from their husband, but they stood out, stepped out from the cover. It's important to understand these things, to understand how to take authority, but to also be under authority. You cannot exercise authority if you're not under authority. The authority we have over the devil is because we're in Christ Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus. But if you're outside of Christ Jesus, there's no authority to talk about. Amen? Okay. So this is important to understand these principles. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Some of you need to know that a lot of the things you're dealing with in your families right now are very spiritual. And they have to be addressed spiritually. Next year we'll be doing uh, a whole series on spiritual warfare. We've done it before. Go and look on the website for that, for that material. But we'll do another one. Just going into spiritual warfare and understanding the dynamics and what's involved. But some of you are dealing with things that are very spiritual in nature. But you argue about them with your spouses or your children in the flesh. And they never go away. Because God wants you to recognize who the enemy is. The enemy is not your wife. The enemy is not your husband. The enemy is not your mom. The enemy is not your dad. 
We wrestle not against flesh and blood, the Bible tells us, but against powers, principalities, right? And spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where the, that's where the battle is. But it's important to understand how to engage in that type of warfare. Amen. Number 11, you focus on the devil too much. This is the immature praying person because they hear their first lesson on spiritual warfare and now they're seeing demons, demons <laughs> on every doorknob. You don't have demons on every doorknob. You know those people who are like, I remember some friends of ours, they had, their baby was born and they had a, the baby had a birthmark somewhere on their forehead. And already people in church were thinking, ah, this child, look at where that birthmark is. Treating this baby like the baby is, like that's the mark of the beast or something. And so in the area of spiritual warfare, this is where people go cuckoo. They go spiritually weird. Don't focus too much on the devil. The mature believing believer focuses on Jesus and his life is centered on Jesus and if you look at the life of Jeremiah there were things Jeremiah was instructed to tear down but then God also says you need to build and to plant and there are a lot of Christians who've built their ministry around I'm the I'm the one who goes and tears down everything you know that if the only tool you have is a hammer everything that you'll see is a nail. You will see that, that everything will be a nail. Right? Lanston's got that look again. It's this naughty look, Lanston. It's like, I'm just wondering what's going on in your head right now, Lanston. Your whole life is centered around Jesus. For me to live is Christ. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 verses 17 to 19 it says he is before all things that's Jesus and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning and firstborn from among the dead so that in all things he may have preeminence so Jesus has preeminence in our speech that's who we talk about most of the time not the devil For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Do not be afraid of the devil and do not focus on the devil, but take authority over the devil. While you're submitted to God, the devil will flee as you resist him. That's the principle. Number 12. The immature people. If you're an immature praying person, then you're an immature person. Because prayer is central, isn't it? We can't say I'm a mature Christian, but I'm immature when it comes to prayer. It's like saying I'm a loving husband, but I'm very immature when it comes to having conversations with my wife. Huh? Then where's the, where's the marriage if you can't talk? It's gone very quiet in here. I know I'm scratching. I'm, I'm scratching where it's itching. All right. Praying carelessly whatever you feel. That's the immature praying person. 
They pray carelessly whatever they're feeling in their heart. The mature person prays the will of God. This is something we have to understand. How many of you know that if you go to the bank and you make a request and you say, and they say to you, how much money do you need? And you say a certain amount, they give you whatever you have asked based on your request. Now here's the, here's the scary thing about God. Do you know that sometimes if you keep insisting on something that might not be his will for you, do you know that sometimes he still gives it to you? But do you know that you might not end up wanting what you now have? Do you remember what happened to the children of Israel with the quail? Oh, we're tired of this manna. Give us quail. We want meat. Now, quail is actually quite healthy. It's good for you, apparently. It's got good properties. That's why a lot of people up in Zim have been farming quail, right? <laughs> They've been farming quail. And you can really uh, have lots of eggs and that kind of thing in a small, like, you know, space, right? But the thing is, it's not that quail is bad. But they were insisting on it. And guess what ended up happening? They were like, oh, oh, man, you know, like this stuff. We don't want it anymore because they're just surrounded by all sorts of quail. Now, here's the thing for you. Could it be that you are insisting and twisting God's arm concerning certain things? And at a certain point, because he's given you free will, he ends up saying, you know what? You're so adamant about this thing. I'm going to just leave you to your own devices. I'm sure that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. doesn't force things on us. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want to be careful what I release with my prayer. You know that when people would go to Jesus for healing, he would say to them, what do you want? Like blind Bartimaeus, what do you want? And very often, God, and it happens even when I'm praying for people here, meets you at your level of request. You see, there are times when, if you look at blind Bartimaeus, he could have turned around and just said, Lord, can you just make this space more comfortable for me and just hook me up so that more people give me donations. And I don't think Jesus would have healed him in terms of his sight. Why did Jesus ask him what he already knew? Jesus could discern. He probably already knew that I'm sure this guy wants to see. Why didn't he just assume? Why did he need that individual to actually respond to him and say, this is what I want. Very often, God wants us to join him where he's at concerning you. Are you following? Very often, you see, God has got all sorts of desires for us. I want you to, to be blessed. I want you to be in this space. But he wants us to catch up with his viewpoint and then to agree with what heaven is saying concerning us. The principle here is God doesn't want to impose his agenda on us. God wants us to engage with him and to respond and desire his agenda and to pray his agenda. Are you following? Could it be that maybe you've got some kind of hobby or some kind of habit and you're insisting on it and insisting on it and insisting on it and you're blind to any counsel concerning moving in a different direction? Could it be that God might just leave you to the stubbornness of your own heart. You see, when you're mature in prayer, what you do is you wait on the Lord. I'll be talking about waiting on the Lord next week. You wait on the Lord. You engage with God and you say, God, speak to me concerning your will. And then he begins to speak to you. And you say, Lord, I'm available. Whatever you're saying, even if it's something that scares me, as pastors, we're praying, Lord, tell us about next year. In what direction do you want us to move? 
You know what happens to us very often? When we pray careless prayers and we don't know whether we're praying God's will or not, we begin to pray prayers like this. Oh Lord, if, if, if the government is still okay and if you want and if it really is your will, Lord, please can you do A, B, C, D for me if it's okay with you, but if you don't, blah, 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 blah. and then heaven is confused. What exactly, what, what is that? What, do you, what, what are you praying about? What do you want? That's why the Bible says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and should not expect to receive anything. Could it be that maybe you're not receiving certain things because there's no clarity in your praying? What is God's will for your life? Seek his face. Maybe you're working a full-time job and he wants you to be starting a business. How much time have you put into praying concerning that? What subjects does he want you to study at university? You know there are times when God actually wants to speak to you concerning those things. And then when he tells you and you know like you know like you know it's from heaven, your prayer is much more powerful because you know that God has spoken to you. Amen. In 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 to 15. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. It says, And this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So what does that imply? If we're asking things that are not in accordance to his will, we're not guaranteed that he's hearing us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we already, past tense, possess that which we have asked of him. Can you see that it is easier to pray the prayer of faith when you know whether it's God's will or not? I'm going to end with number 13. I'm going to end today with number 13. You pray without a revelation of God's heart toward you. When you're immature in prayer, you pray without a revelation of God's heart toward you. Do you ever have it when you know you're a generous person and then someone comes and they ask a favor and they say, can I have this? Can I have that? But they're very sheepish when they do it. You know, even if they're just asking for a lift somewhere, and it's on your way home. And they're like, I'm really sorry. And they're so apologetic. You know that a lot of people are like that with God? Where he's already granted us all sorts of things. He's already given us all sorts of things. But because we don't have a revelation of his heart toward us, we're very sheepish and very faithless in our request. But look at what he has to say about this. 1 John 5 verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 to 13. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. Yes. And I will listen to you. I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Psalm 18 verse 6. 
In my distress, I called the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. If he hears our conversations, he also hears our prayers. Amen. First John chapter 5, verse 15. It's important that we believe that our prayers are powerful. It says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. James 5 verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man who's in right standing with Jesus right now. Who's in right standing with God right now. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I like it in the New Living Translation. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Your prayers produce wonderful results. Final verse, Luke chapter 11 verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, I love the way Jesus speaks, isn't it? You guys, although you are evil, You know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Now we all know in comparison to God, we're all evil. In comparison. I was, I was sharing this scripture with my kids. I don't know what the context was just a few days ago. And they started saying, ooh, so dad, you're evil. Ooh, you are evil. Ah. And I just gave them license to, to say that. How much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. God is so good. God is so good. Not just for someone else. Some of you have to hear this. Not just for someone else out there, but for you. In your household and not just for some future date in your life but for now he's good and he's always good every single time I'm going to close with a couple of stories I was sharing with my kids a couple of nights ago I wanted to encourage them that angels are real they knew they're real they said but we already know they're real dad yes but I wanted to reinforce the reality of angelic protection because I didn't want them to be living in fear as they see, you know, they witnessed an attempted carjacking the other day. They, they're seeing all sorts of things around them and I don't want fear to get into them. And I shared with them a story that I just read where <clears throat> there was a particular girl and she was walking home and she was taking an easier route home and she took a particular route through an alleyway and she started feeling really scared as she saw, saw at the end of the alley this man just staring at her. And this is a young lady walking. And she prayed for protection. She was conscious of God. She was a Christian. And as she walked, she suddenly started feeling this peace. She just felt this warmth and this peace like God was with her. That sense of reassurance. And she knew it was okay for her to walk past this guy. And she did so and she was fine. And then a couple of days later, she sees in the newspapers, she hears on the news that there was another girl who 
who walked through that same place and she calculated the time difference it was about 20 minutes after her but was attacked by that particular guy mugged by that particular guy and so she thought she was going to go and help the police to identify this person and she goes to I think it was the police station and she had an opportunity to actually see and identify she says that was the person who was there that was the guy who was there and then the police asked her, you know, can we do you a favor for identifying this person? What would you like for us? She says, I'm just so curious to know why he didn't attack me. And she had the opportunity to ask this individual. And this individual said, well, there were these two big men walking with you. I want to say to you, angels are real and we have angelic protection. We have angelic prote protection. I was speaking about our neighbors earlier on and I remember a few months ago, my wife just says to me, oh, I can see an, a big angel sitting on Bertu and Inga's roof, on their roof at their house. She, she, my wife always sees those kinds of things. All right? They're angels and one of the purposes of angelic assistance is protection. Amen? I want to encourage you saints this morning. Let's take our prayers to another level. Let's pray prayers that get results. Let's search our hearts before actually praying to see are we doing it solely for the glory of God? Are we praying the will of God? Not partial glory for myself or for yourself. Amen. Don't be afraid of the devil. The devil is afraid of you. If you